We're starting a brand new series today called Roots. And we're going to be spending the next three weeks talking about the church. Specifically, we're gonna be talking about, about this church um, and why this church or why church is important in, in our lives, why it's important in your life. And we're going to specifically be talking about why it's important to be planted, why it's important to be planted in God's church, but the principles of being planted are true for every area of life, not just church. We live in a society that, um, that moves on when we don't see immediate results um, or when we don't feel instant gratification. Anybody like me, like you stare in the microwave waiting on the food to be done? Or, or like you put some cookies in the oven and you open the door every minute and a half? Like, are they done yet? Are they done yet? Are they done yet? Right? But we see it all the time with like our, with marriage, money, careers, like that we move on really fast now in our society. We have lost the importance of being planted, of staying faithful over an extended period of time. I wanna make you a promise this morning. I can promise you, no matter what anybody else tells you or no matter what you're thinking, you know, like right now, I can promise you that you will feel better at your 50th wedding anniversary than you will your third wedding reception, okay? You will feel better. There's something about being planted. There's something about faithful endurance, longevity over an extended period of time. Now, I've shared this quote with you before. It's one of my favorites from Mark Batterson. But he says, we all overestimate what God wants to do through us in two years. And we underestimate what God wants to do through us in 10 years. We serve a crock pot God. Come on. We don't serve a microwave God. We serve a crock pot God. And his plans for this church and his plans for your life are great. But can I tell you, you probably will not realize the dreams that God has for your life. And we won't realize the, the dreams and the plans that God has for this church in the next one, two, five years. Some of them we will, but definitely not all of them. And I don't believe the biggest ones. As a matter of fact, there are some dreams for this church that will not be realized until after we're long gone. Same for your life. Did you know that this church, River City Worship Center, was started in 1922? 1922. It hasn't always been called River City Worship Center, but as a church, we have been around since 1922. If my math is correct, that's 96 years. We actually have a, uh, a member of our church still with us who was a member the day that the church was started. Uh, Mabel Ayers. Uh, was a baby when, her, when they, they started the church. Her parents were there when, when the church was started. Mabel's not able to be with us much anymore. She's forced to stay home. But Mabel was there uh, as a founding, her family was a founding member uh, 96 years ago uh, for Highland Park Church. And so just an incredible thing. But, but it gets me excited to think about that for a lot of reasons. One reason is because it makes me realize how small I am in the grand scheme of God's plan, which is a good thing. But it gets me excited because today as we dedicated children and today as we worship together and people committed their life to Christ and we come together, we are an answer to a prayer that was prayed 96 years ago. 96 years ago. Like we are an answer to prayer that, that they didn't even know that they were praying over the last 96 years. And it's an incredible thought to think that you are an answer to someone's prayer. And when you gave your life to Christ, you were an answer to someone's prayer 90 
96 years ago. And it gets me even more excited to think about prayers that God is going to answer that we're praying now, but he's not going to answer them for a hundred years, a hundred, a hundred years from now. So this is a great time to stop and ask the question, how big are your prayers? How big are your prayers? How big are the prayers that you're praying? Let me say it this way. If God answered all of your prayers today, would it change the city? Would it change the world? Or would it just make you feel better? How big are your prayers? Are you praying any prayers that will outlive you? Because those are pretty incredible prayers. I know that Andrea and I are striving to do this, be more conscious of this. Proverbs 13, 22 says that a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Now, this is talking about money, but it's much more, much more than money. I'll remind my dad of that sometimes. Like a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. Anyway, um, so it's not just about money. I'm praying prayers right now for my children's children. I was lucky enough to inherit a, a real a spiritual legacy from my grandparents and from, and from their parents. And I don't want that to stop with me. I actually picked up the phone yesterday and called my grandmother. I call her Mimo. She's really struggling right now. She's being diagnosed with some stuff and, and just really struggling right now emotionally and physically. And, and so I knew what I was going to be talking about today. So I just called and and uh, we talked a little bit and I just said, Meemaw, you know, I'm so lucky to have, you know, you and people and your parents. And I said, you know, it's crazy to think that, you know, you were praying prayers 80 years ago and you didn't even realize you were praying for me, you know, cause I, I'm her favorite grandchild. And so I said, you didn't even realize you were praying prayers for me uh, that, that have come true. I said, has God exceeded your expectations? He said, oh yeah, Jason, God has exceeded my expectations. But, but the thought, the thought of putting seeds in the ground that may not harvest for 50, 60, 80, 100 years. And maybe you're here today and you would say, Jason, that's great for you, but like I'm the first person in my family to ever serve God. I hear you, but can I say what an incredible opportunity for you to be the spiritual patriarch of your family? Like that people would be able to look back and say like, yeah, I mean, nobody in our family served God until, and they say your name. And now two, three, four generations later, they, they, it's kind of like in the Bible when they say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like maybe they'll be like, you know, the God of Jason, Solomon, and whoever, you know what I mean? Like, like this is just a cool thing to think like, I could be the spiritual patriarch, leave a godly inheritance for my children's, children's children. Listen, if you're just living for you and your time, it's going to be a boring life. It's not going to be gratifying. And can I tell you that it won't accidentally happen? A spiritual inheritance is not going to accidentally happen. You have to pray prayers that outlive you, you know, keep putting faithful seeds of obedience in the ground. Listen, mom and dad, I know your kids hate you right now and you feel like you're a terrible parent. Listen, keep putting those seeds in the ground. Keep putting those seeds in the ground. Faithful godly parenting, showing up at the right time. You know, Philippians says that he who began a good work will bring it to completion. Listen, at the right time, that stupid teenager is gonna come to their senses. I did, you did, most of you did. And like, just keep, listen, I know that that marriage is not what you want it to be and it feels like it'll never change. But listen, what God has joined together, 
Let no man separate. Just keep putting those seeds in the ground. Keep praying. Keep showing up. Keep loving. Putting those seeds in the ground. Your career, whatever it is, doesn't accidentally happen. Whatever it feels like right now is not the end of God's plan. And the same is true for this church. It's been here 96 years. I've been lucky enough to be a part of it for almost 11. And God still has greater plans for this church. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the church and, and specifically why it's important for you and I to plant ourselves in God's church, to plant ourselves. Now, um, if you're a guest with us this week, I'm really excited you're here because you're going to get to hear my heart a little bit. You're going to get a little bit of a behind the scenes. We're kind of having a family meeting today. And you get to sit in on that, which is cool. But I want to tell you three things before we get started. The first is that in two weeks, on February the 28th, we're going to give you a chance to commit or, or recommit to this church. On that day, we are going to completely erase the membership of River City Worship Center. So when I stand up here to preach, there are going to be zero members uh, of our church on February uh, 28th. And over the next two weeks, if you agree with what I'm teaching and you feel that this is the church that God wants you to be planted in, at the end of that service, we're gonna give you the chance, a couple of different ways for you to join or to rejoin the church. Now, membership is just a piece of paper, okay? It's just a piece of paper, but it means so much more than just a piece of paper. It signifies that you're planning yourself in a church, in the church that you feel like that God has called you to. So if you, if you happen to miss that day, like don't panic. I don't know if you were panicking, but if you don't, because there's gonna be other opportunities, obviously online, things like that. But that's a day when we're gonna say, okay, we're starting fresh, we're starting clean. And if you say, yes, this is where I wanna be planted. This is where I wanna put my roots down. We're gonna give you a chance to do that. The second thing is on that day, on February 28th, we are going to make a huge announcement about our church. And I'm asking every person to be here. And while you're at it, pray against the snowstorm. I'm asking everybody to be here on February 28th. Do whatever you have to do. Cancel plans, put it down now, set three alarms, whatever you have to do to be here on February 28th, because we're gonna make a very special announcement. It affects everybody um, who uh, calls River City home, okay? And no, I'm not leaving. That's not the announcement, okay? So some of you guys are like, dang it. But everybody else, hopefully you like that. Okay, um, just do whatever you have to do. Be here February 28th, okay? I probably don't need to say the third thing, but let me just go ahead and say it anyway, just in case. Over the next three weeks, I'm gonna be teaching on the importance of commitment to God's church, on the importance of being planted, putting down roots in his church, in his house. And I just want you to know, I know you probably know this. I've been around here long enough, you know, hopefully you know my heart, like we're not doing this because there's somehow a problem. We're not doing this because somehow the boat is sinking. There, there's been no, like, there's no crisis. It's actually quite the opposite. We're not trying to trick you into signing anything. There, it's, it's actually the opposite. Myself and the staff, the leaders, we've never felt better about where this church is than where we currently are right now. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. I hope it's not just me, but over the last several weeks, really since the beginning of the year, like the spirit that has been in this room I mean, we're running out of tissues. I mean, God is like messing with people. I've prayed with more people, stepping out in faith to do something great for God, scared out of their mind, which is just incredible. I mean, the spirit that has been in this room and there's other reasons for that. God's really doing stuff behind the scenes. But um, 
So we love where we're at. We, we're excited about where God is taking us and there is no like backdoor uh, agenda. And you probably knew that, but I just felt like I needed to say it in case somebody said something different, okay? Honestly, this message, this series came out of a personal place for myself and for Andrea um, about 18 months ago. But 18 months ago, we, we really felt this confirmation. We felt this peace that God was planting us here. And we'd already been here for nine plus years. But there was something about that season of life for us where we knew, we just felt it, and we know that this is where God has planted us. And we are confident that this is the only church that we'll ever pastor. It's actually one of my life goals. I have a list of, of life goals. And on there is to, to pastor a church for 30 years, to really at least 30 years to, to pastor one church my whole life. And so Andrew and I made a commitment together and you've heard us talk about it a little bit, but we made a commitment about 18 months ago. This is home. This is where we are planted. This is where our roots are. If you don't like us, that's bad news for you because we're here and we're not going anywhere. And we're gonna be here for the next 30, 40, 50 years, whatever God has in store. As long as you'll have us, we're gonna be here. Um, and we can't wait to see what, what God is going to do through that time. We're, we're, there's gonna be peaks and valleys. There's gonna be ups and downs, but they're gonna bury us in Louisville, Kentucky. This is home. I grew up in a house, um, my dad was a pastor, was a minister, and we moved every three or four years. I'm scared to say this because some of you will ask for help, but I am an expert moving truck packer, okay? Like I know how to maximize that space because uh, we moved a lot. And it was never a goal of mine to not move. It was all I really ever knew. I went to five different schools and I mean, different states and everything. Um, but but like, there's just something about the peace that, that God has given to us to say like, this is your home, this is your family, and this is where uh, I want you. We feel like God is saying that. And so as this was happening for us, I began to think in my mind, like, is that something that only happens for the pastor? Is that something that, that God only gives the pastor where you feel like, you know, yeah, God has, has planted me and, and this is where I'm going to be. Or is that something that God can give to uh, to others as well. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. This is not a series about, you know, you making a lifelong commitment to the church. Um, I, I don't know if I want some of you around here for life. Honestly, I'll just be honest with you. Um, that was a bad joke. Anyway, um, it's not what this is about. Andrew and I do feel that way, but this is really just about the importance of us um, being, being planted. And, um, and so we're gonna take a few weeks to, to press in a little bit, may get uncomfortable at a few, few moments. But, but really, what is God calling us to do, calling us to be? Who are we and where are we going? What are God's dreams for this church? And is that something that you wanna be, uh, wanna be a part of? Here's what I know for certain. None of us are dreaming big enough. None of us are dreaming big enough for this church. None of us are dreaming big enough for our life and, and for our family. None of us are dreaming big enough. No one cares more about this church than God. This is his church. It's not my church. It's not the staff's church. It's not the elder's church. It is God's church. And if you didn't know this, you need to know that God is incredibly passionate about his church. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I, everybody say I, I, Jesus said, will build my church. And the gates of hell 
will not conquer it. For 2,000 years plus, Jesus has been building his church. And no matter what your friend tells you or the news tells you or Facebook tells you or who the president is or who's on the Supreme Court or whatever it is, the church is not going anywhere. Because Jesus said, I'm building it and, and hell is not going to conquer it. It's God's church. He's passionate about it. The church is God's plan. It's God's dream. John 2, 17, talking about Jesus, he said, passion for God's house will consume me. Passion for God's house will consume me. The church is God's idea. And it's, you know, I guess moderately popular for people to think that church is, is optional. I have friends and you do too. Maybe you battle this sometimes who, th- who say things like, you know, I love God, but, um, but not the church. And I get what they mean. Like, I understand. Unfortunately, we haven't done a great job of, of loving the people the way we should have loved, accepting people, welcoming people. How many people know there's some mean people in church? Come on, there's some mean people out there. Yeah, not this church, but, but you know, a lot of churches out there. And, and I understand what they mean. They've been burned. They've had bad experiences. I, I totally understand. But here's the problem with saying that I love God, but I, I don't love the church. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ, that the church is God's, God's bride. So it's like you saying to me, like, Jason, I love you. I mean, I love you, but I hate your wife. And like, I hope we're cool and everything because I will spend time with you, but never if she's around, which nobody ever says that. Maybe the other way. I think Andrea gets that a couple of times, uh, but nobody ever says that to me. But like, how's that relationship going to go? Like, Jason, love you, hate your wife. Like, that's not going to work. And the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. And when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about four brick walls. This is a church building, but it's not the church. It's a church location, but it's not the church. We are the church. When you go to lunch today, you're going to church. When you go to work tomorrow, you're going to church because you are the church. So God says the body, the family, the people are the church, but then there are places that are marked and identified as where the church comes together. And God's plan for every believer involves the church. God does not call you or plan for you to do something outside of or not involving the church. The church is the launching pad. It's the launching ground for the dreams and the plans that God has for your life. Not four brick walls, not just limited to four brick walls, but the church, the body, the body of Christ. I love what 2 Kings 19.30 says. It says, and you will put down roots. Everybody say roots. You're gonna put down roots in your own soil and you will grow up and flourish. I believe that with all of my heart. When you decide to put down roots in God's church and plant yourself, you will grow and your life will flourish. Now, let me just, I'm gonna push back just a little bit. I'm gonna be a little bit meaner next week, but I'm not this week. I'm gonna be so nice this week. Um, But sometimes, not all the time, not as much as maybe in the past, but people will say like, they'll come to me or they'll come to Andrew or something. They'll say, you know, I'm just not growing anymore. And, 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 And they feel like that what they need to do in order to grow more is to find another church. And listen, we're not in competition with any church. I hope you know that. Like we give money to other churches. We pray for other churches. I have relationships. Like it, it, we are not in competition, okay? 
but they feel like, hey, what would help me grow is to go to another church, which is contrary to everything agricultural. So like when something's not growing, you don't uproot it. You don't say, well, it's not growing. I'm going to put it over there on the counter. Like you dig deeper into the soil, right? And so I understand what people mean by that sometimes. The music's not, the worship's not the way it was. The sermons don't resonate the way that they used to, whatever it is. And listen, I also understand that there are a few times in life where like you do need to move churches. There's been a break of trust. There's been a moral fall. Like I get that. Please, you know, I don't hear what I'm not saying. So like, but sometimes you gotta dig deeper into the soil. You gotta plant yourself and you will grow and you will flourish. So for the time I have left, I wanna keep it really simple. I had some stuff I wanted to tell you to get us started, but for the time I have left, we're gonna keep it simple and jump into Acts chapter two. If you have a Bible, open that up. If not, it's gonna be up on the screen for you. But this is, this is the birthing place of the church. This is where it all started. Jesus uh, resurrected, went back up to heaven. The day of Pentecost happened in Acts two and the church's birth on its first day had about 3000 members. So the next time you like trash Southeast cause it's too big, you're not gonna like the book of Acts because it's exploding, all right? And, um, and there's 3,000 members the first day, okay? And this is what it says at the end of chapter two, describing uh, what the church is like. Describing what the church is like. Acts chapter two, verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which may mean you need to cook me some more meals. Anyway, and to prayer. Bad joke again. And deep, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Hear me, here's the point. God intended the church to be like a family. God intended the church to be like a family. Now, to be fair, these people lived like within a half a mile of each other, walking distance. So they were probably getting together a little more than you and I are getting together, okay? But God's intention was to enjoy one another and to be a family. And that word means different things for different people. All families take on different forms. Some of y'all's families are just way screwed up and I get that. And so that, fa- that, that word family may mess you up a little bit. Here, here's the point. Church is not a service. Church is not a building. It's not three songs and a sermon. It's a group of people fully devoted to God and to each other. That's what a church is. It's a group of people fully devoted to God and to each other. Look at how, look at how the church was, was, uh, was described in Acts We just read it. Commitment to Bible teaching, relationships, prayer, meeting together, miracles, generosity to each other and to those in need. And in general, it says they just enjoyed each other's company. We are a family. Everybody look around right now. Look around the room. Look around everybody. This is your family. These are your brothers and sisters. Listen, every family's got some crazies. Everybody's got a crazy uncle. Everybody's got some crazies out there. It's just the way it works. Every family's got some conflict. They tick you off. It's family. I love Casey Musgraves. I don't know if you listen to country music. She's a folk singer, but I love Casey Musgraves. And she has this song called Family. And it's one of my favorites. Uh, I wanna read you the lyrics. She says, um, she said, family is family and church are in prison. You get what you get and you don't get to pick them. 
They might smoke like chimneys, but they'll give you their kidneys. Yeah, friends come in handy, but family's family. I love that. Love that. If you just show up occasionally to hear a message or the music, you're not coming to church. You're coming to a service. You're not coming to the church. If you're coming but not giving, you're not part of the church. You're part of a service. And it may be a little uncomfortable to say this morning, but being part of a church is committing to be a part of the family. To to give and receive, to serve and to be served. And so I'm not talking to those of you today who just showed up and you're visiting today. I'm not talking to those of you who are in the beginning stages of, of trying to figure out where you are and what all this is. And you haven't come to church in years, but now you've just started coming. Like you're, you're not necessarily family yet, but you're like that friend who comes to Thanksgiving dinner, okay? <laughs> Take a nap on the couch, eat food out of the fridge. We love you. Like you're here, okay? But at some point you gotta become family if this is your church, okay? And not just a service, okay? So I'm talking specifically to like church people. And if you identify with that, then you're exactly who I'm talking to. That you're, you're a church person, but you're not all in with the family. You love what the church does for you, how it makes you feel, but you never think to yourself, you know what? I make my church better. The church is lucky to have me because of what I bring to the table. Not in an arrogant way. I don't mean it like that. But you wake up on a Sunday morning and you don't think, what can I get out of it? But you think to yourself, like, what can I give to it? How can I, how can I make it better? So let me ask you this question today, all right? Have you allowed this church to become like family? Have you allowed this church to become like family? When I ask that question, maybe you say to yourself, well, I wanted to, but so-and-so didn't or this. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about you. Have you done everything that you can do to allow this church to be family? That requires you showing up, requires you being willing to help others. It requires you being vulnerable. It requires you forgiving and asking for forgiveness. Everybody wants more friends. Everybody wants more love, more help, more care, but are you giving those things? Everybody wants to be prayed for, but are you praying for others? Everybody wants to be missed when they're gone, but are you telling people who are gone that you're missing them? We're a family. We're not a building. We're not a church. We're not a service. We're a family. Let me tell you why this church has a recovery ministry. I have a recovery group because I don't want my brothers and sisters spending the rest of their life struggling with addiction. That's why we do it. Because people in my family are searching and hurting. Let me tell you why we have small groups because I want to spend time with my brothers and sisters. I want to talk about spiritual things and I want to talk about their day at work and I want to eat food together and I want to, I want to spend time with my brothers and, and sisters. Let me tell you why we do services on the weekends because I want to see my brothers and sisters. I want to be encouraged by each other and encourage others. I want to feel the power of worshiping together. I want to hug their necks. I want to I want to laugh together. I want to brag on their new outfits. I want to make fun of Kentucky losing or Louisville losing the game the day before. I want to pray together. I don't pray for you because it's my job. I pray for you because you're my sister. You're my brother. If you want to pray, let's pray. People will say to me sometimes, you know, they'll come up after service and say, hey, I hate to bother you. You're not bothering me. 
This is, this is my calling. This is, we're family, right? We're family. We'll pray together. We want to cry together, grow together, devoted to God and to one another. And look at how the verse, end. look at the, the, the verses in verse 47. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Listen, I believe with all of my heart, no gimmicks, no, no strings attached. No, I believe with all of my heart, if people in this community knew that there was a place where they could find family, we wouldn't have enough chairs. Believe with all my heart. That they, they're not looking for, for more like cool videos, even though we have really cool videos. They're not looking for like uh, great music, even though we have great music. They're, they're, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for devotion to family. Most, most families are screwed up anyway. And they're looking for family. And I believe that because of the, the nature of what the church was like and what they were doing, they just, like people just kept joining. They weren't even sure about God. But man, the family, the family. So I want to end today by just identifying maybe five groups of people in the room. We're kind of different on the spectrum. The first group of people, you're here, but you're a taker. You're a taker. And I love you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not even frustrated with you. I, I, I miss you and I want you to be a part of this family. Like, don't be the person who's invited to the party but doesn't bring a dish, you know? Like, like you're just a taker. You come to church because of what it does for you and how it makes you feel and what you get out of it. You're not gonna serve, you're not gonna give, you're not gonna help. You just take from the church. Listen, in families, there are people who get to just take. They're called babies. And I don't say that to be derogatory. I'm just letting you know that there is a season of life where you get to just take. But if, but if that continues, that's called special needs. And that's okay sometimes because there are special needs. But, but you, have to, you have to graduate into being a contributing member of the family. And so I want you to know, and, and you gotta know my heart out of love, there are churches in this city who do what we do better than we do it. And if you're just looking for take to just take, like go, go there, go there. And we will see you in heaven and we will laugh together and rejoice together. But we want you to be family. We don't want you to just be a taker. So maybe, maybe that's the first. Second group, you're here, but you're hiding. You show up just late enough to slide in the back. You leave just early enough. You're, you're, I don't know why there's certain legitimate reasons, but you're hiding out. Listen, come out of hiding. Let us love you. Let us love you. We are better together. And you have something to offer that makes us all better. So stop hiding out, stop showing up late, leaving early. Like be, a, we want you to be a part of the family. Be a part of the family. You're like the teenager who's like, keeps the bedroom door closed all the time. Come on outside, come, come hang out with the family, all right? The third group of people um, are the people that you say you're here, but honestly, you're rarely ever here. Like you say like, oh yeah, I go to River City, but like 
two or three times a year. And that's okay. Like God's not mad at you and I'm not mad at you, but we're better when you're here. We're better when you're here. And your life is better when you're here. And I promise you, if you will reprioritize your life about what God is passionate about, you will grow and you will flourish. So being a part of a church is not just saying like, I have a place I go when I decide to go. That's a service. Be a part of the family. Next group, you're on the fence. You're not sure. You're here, but you're not sure like, is this my family? Do I wanna jump in head first? Am I all in? Listen, I wanna challenge you to take really a three month challenge, 90 days, all in, head first, jump in. Let us love you. Join a group, show up as often, as much as you can possibly show up. Be here and be a part of the family and see if you do not grow and if your life doesn't flourish. And then the last group is the people you just aren't sure where you are. That's okay. Listen, church is a great place to hang out while you figure it out. I tell people all the time when they're talking about what they're going through, listen, you ain't gotta have all the answers, just hang out. Just hang out, whether it's by like osmosis or whatever it is, life gets better. And you got a lot of people around here to, to stand with you and support you and encourage you and it's family. So our goal is not to somehow build a bigger service. Like that's fun and it feels good. And we wanna build a family. We wanna build a family together. My kids spend more time with you than they do their actual family. And I'm okay with that. We're gonna go through a lot together, but we're family. And I'm gonna invite you to be a part of that. Next week, we're gonna continue this. We're gonna talk more about the church and what it means to be planted and, and to have roots. But as you leave today and maybe over the next seven days, like I just wanna encourage you to, to ask yourself this question. Have I allowed my church to become my family. Let's pray.